Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Welcome to a very special Talking Comics episode. This is um, our Star Wars year in review. I'm Mar Wood, and I'm joined by uh, Carolyn Coca. Hello. We are Star Wars fans. Yay, Star Wars. <laughs> and so this was something that I've uh, been kind of like thinking about for a while and you know, thinking of special things to do for our Talking Comics listeners and things that are a little bit outside of the comics realm. And Star Wars is a pretty natural one for me uh it's something i am immersed in all year long so it was, it was pretty natural to, to reflect on the year and what has been added to the canon and carolyn texted me and said hey you're gonna do this <laughs> i volunteered my services i think it was steve that said hey you know you should probably have something separate to talk about star wars because none of us read those things i know and it it, it bums me out that I'm the one who comes in and like, hey, C-3PO was really good. <laughs> it was. I agree with that. I was like, it's a droid. I'm not going to read that. If you want to find out about C-3PO, stay tuned. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so obviously this episode is going to be pretty lax. Um, I'm drinking wine. So who knows what's going to come out. But we've got, <laughs> we've got a lot on our, our plate tonight. Um, obviously Rogue One. It's a big thing that came out this year, as well as a bunch of books, novels, like actual books, mm-hmm. um, TV shows, and comics. Yes. So let's start off with the big thing, Rogue One. All right. Oh, man. Um, Carolyn, I'm going to let you go first on this one. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Oh, I feel like Joey. I'm going to throw it. No, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> I'm just going to vomit. <laughs> um, okay. Well, I guess... Should I just quickly oh, say yeah. a couple things that I loved about it? Yeah, or also spoilers I, for everything. Oh, spoilers. Yes. Complete spoilers for every medium that we discuss. We're going to go in depth. Uh, I think to, to, to start with the biggest thing first, I think just the conception of what Rogue One was about is terrific. Mm-hmm. The, the idea that you take this thing that's been kind of criticized or laughed at for 40 years, that there is a flaw in this technological marvel and you make it purposeful. Mm-hmm. And make it have great political rebellious meaning. That's just great, yeah. right off the bat. Um, and having said that, I also loved that it was dirty and gritty, and that I loved that they all died. I thought that was totally bold yes. on, on Lucasfilm and Disney's part. And I loved how they were able to match the seventiesness of it, um, down to the lighting and the sets and the even the hair and the sideburns, the mustaches. Yes. <laughs> Um, I liked our new characters, although I would have liked more from them. I loved seeing Bail Organa and Mon Mothma. 
Um, we can talk about the other older characters that came back in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a lot of diversity among the male characters. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's an important distinction you made just there. Um, mm-hmm. Because I, you know, I get on Tumblr and I go tagged Rogue One and I look mm-hmm. at everyone's responses. And I read a lot about people just being excited that there's diverse. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. The accents and um, the diversity and the po- possibility that I believe this, that Chariot and Vays are a couple um, mm-hmm. and people picking up on that and defending it and grasping onto that. But I rarely came across anyone criticizing the movie for female diversity. Yes. yes. I think, I think that, among the larger number of people that's not there. And and I'm seeing a lot of things like there are so many people of color. No, there are not. There are many males of color. Mm-hmm. There's it's one not, woman it's of not color. The same, exactly. <laughs> it's not the same thing. Um, there, there are people, I think, who have talked about it, like on Tashi Station and on Nerds of Color, but not not a whole lot else, mm-hmm. um, especially in sort of your more mainstream comic sites that cover all kinds of things and, and all kinds of pop culture things. Right. But that's the, that's the quick version of what I really liked. What did you really like? I, I did appreciate they all died. I, I was a fan <laughs> of that. Well, the, the thing is, yeah. you don't want any no. loose ends. You, right, know, you have right. to explain why they aren't there, why they aren't getting medals at a ceremony, why they aren't, you know, there in the briefing and having them mm-hmm. survive at the end of the movie. Just like, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was that grittiness, that depressing, like they mm-hmm. went on a true suicide mission and knew they were not coming back. Yeah. And they still did their duty. And each one of them had their own purpose for it. You know, Jen, yes. on the surface in the movie, it's a lot about her father. And uh, we'll, we'll get more in depth with the book, but the book opens up to where it's not just her dad that she's doing this for, it's herself. Right. Right. There's so much more about everybody in the book. And I think that the film, if you if you read the book alongside the film, when you see the film, the film does capture what is in the book, Mm -hmm. but it captures it so briefly that if you don't have all the background, it seems like the characters are not that deep. Yes, I I watched it four times. Mm -hmm. And between the third and fourth time, I read the whole novel. Mm-hmm. The last time I saw it, I saw it with new eyes and I was like, oh, this is just gutting me because it's more, the book is more emotional and explains yes. things a lot more. Right. Um, I also liked the, the rebel fleet. Yeah. The battle Scarif and uh, the Mon Calamari, like, Admiral Radis. Totally. And r- <laughs> red leader and gold leader. Seeing them again. And that was yeah. like, when he was saying, red, uh, red five, what are you doing? I, I like, know. Luke. <laughs> um well well, it's not not luke yet right right but i was like thinking about when it was initially recorded or initially conceptualized i was like did they re-record new lines for it or did they just borrow it from the new hope where luke was doing something crazy and the um bread leader was like what are you doing Oh, oh, I could have been. I took it to just mean that we're now explaining to you why Luke became Red Five because the original Red Five died. Mm -hmm. Which was cool. I like seeing that. Little Uh, stuff like that was cool. Vader. Oh, boy. Uh, There's been, I I think the prequels did a a really huge disservice to Darth Vader by making him not as scary. Yes, as he, agreed. As he was when we first saw him. And, you know, we all watched the original trilogy first. And 
had this different perception of who Vader was. When the prequels introduced us to Anakin, it kind of, you know, lost the sting. Um, and it, it's even even now with all with 40 years of Star Wars behind me, it's very difficult for me to reconcile Anakin Skywalker as being Darth Vader mm-hmm. because the, the prequel Anakin and the original trilogy Vader don't seem to match up. Mm-hmm. But I will say the um, Clone Wars series does yeah. a good job trying to bridge that. Mm-hmm. And in fact, in this movie, there was a moment where I was like, oh my gosh, there's Clone Wars Anakin right there. And yes. it was when he was in his lava castle yes. <laughs> choking Orson Krennic and saying, um, hope you don't choke on your aspirations. Yes, like, which which on the one hand is a terrible line, but on the other hand is very much a bad Anakin style pun. It is. It is. That, I just I pictured him right there. That Obi-Wan was not there to appreciate. <laughs> he would have just been smiling and rolling his eyes. Totally. totally. So, yes, I agree with you. As as I, I think I said to you, in some electronic form, mm-hmm. I definitely prefer scary villain Vader to emo, emotional, blah, Padme Vader. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this was definitely that. This was just relentless walking through that room. And you have this feeling of mounting dread. Um, That was great. Mm -hmm. And especially, you know, the ending and just how Mm -hmm. ruthless he was. And it cracks me up. I have this Hallmark ornament of (laughs) Leia and Vader. And you press it and it's that scene where Darth Vader, only you could be so bold. Yes. And... After the movie, I went and pressed. And I was like, oh, my gosh, she's totally lying the whole time. And he knows that she's lying. And she's still yes. keeping up this lie. And it's great. <laughs> right. So, I mean, it was great. I, I'm, I'm sorry to pull rank in this way. But it was great. When I was five in 1977. <laughs> and this short, uh, white, brunette looked up at him and said that because he was already scary just mm-hmm. having walked in the door. Um, but now you know that not only does Leia totally stand up to him just period, but mm-hmm. she stands up to him knowing that he knows. Yeah. <laughs> that is perfect. I, I love that, that little nuance, that addition to what I already appreciated about her. Sure. That, yeah. You know, she wasn't going to give in. She wasn't even going to be like, so what if I have the death star plans? It was like, Oh no, I don't know what you're talking about. Right. <laughs> Who, uh, me? I'm on a diplomatic mission to Alderaan. Exactly. Uh, so let's, Let's talk about um, the main main characters. Okay. Um, starting with Jen, who is our fourth white, brown-haired woman. Yes. <laughs> yes, she is. With a slightly British, at least slightly British accent. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, everyone's like, before the movie came out, everyone was like, oh, is she related to Ray somehow? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, this and that. And it's like, man, if they would just like you know, shake up their female characters a little bit. Give yes. us a blonde hair girl or redhead or, I don't know, someone of color. Um, yes. We wouldn't be having this discussion over and over again. Right. Um, but one thing I, I kept saying about Jen was people kept feeling that she was um, just not good enough or not enough of an interesting character or, or um, emotionally kind of... Um, stunted, I guess. I don't know how to put it. Um, no, I, I know what you mean. And I, I kind of appreciated that because when you have 
her being contrasted to someone, I mean, inevitably contrasted to a character like Leia, Mm -hmm. who is this, I mean, yes, she is vulnerable and she is afraid, but she doesn't, she tries very hard not to show it because she's strong and she's a leader. She's been in this her whole life and this is, she's all about hope and optimism. And so it's good to have a character that that contrasts with that. Mm -hmm. And so not totally spelling out Jin's motivations, I think, can be a good thing. Or showing that she has some selfish motivations. Yes. That, that is fine. I, I think the difficulty I had was that I was not totally sure of her motivation. In the book, it's more clear. Mm-hmm. Because in the book, it's more clear that the motivation changes. And sometimes she's not even sure what it is. And sometimes yeah. there are a couple motivations that overlap. In it, and so she's just so much more human on the page. Mm-hmm. And right? you don't have to like the character. Right. That's another thing I think people don't understand. I mean, Ray was hard to not like. Yes. I mean, she was just so personable. And now we have a main female character who is more muted. And, Mm -hmm. you know, she doesn't wear her heart on her sleeve. She just does the job. And I think that's difficult for people who aren't used to it to appreciate. Well, it can make it harder to root for her for some people. Mm -hmm. Well, it's kind of hard to root for a lot of these characters just because they're not always the great, like Cassian, who our first introduction with to him was uh, shooting a yes. informant mm-hmm. and then escaping and then later admitting that he's done a lot of horrible things, which are alluded to in the book as well. Um, yes. As far as named, you know, he did this, he did that. Not a great person. Right. But that's how wars are. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it, it's not all clean blaster shots that always miss the heroes. Right. Right. Um, so, so these things do happen on the ground and I appreciated the opportunity to have that on screen in the star Wars universe mm-hmm. or, or Bodhi is this is the same. Yes. I love and Bodhi. In, yes. In the film. Uh, and again, this is a film novel contrast, but in, in the film, you just feel like, okay, this guy's done some stuff he's not proud of. And he's rather nervous mm-hmm. that that's much more filled out in the book as well. But the impression that he manages to give you in his screen time is, I think, exactly what is in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe maybe more so than the Jin character is able to do. But that could also be a function of editing. We know they did a lot of reshoots. Yeah. And we know as of today that a lot of that reshooting involved all the scenes at the beginning that established the characters. None of them were there. The movie had originally opened with this was on a couple websites today. Mm -hmm. The movie had originally opened just with Jin around the rebel conference table, basically. Hmm. That kind of explains the pacing of the movie as well, because the first half is it's bearable. Yes. I mean, I can sit there because I know what's coming after. (laughs) Right, Uh, right. But I can assure you that once that Blu-ray comes out, I will probably be skipping the first half of Rogue One. (laughs) just to get to the part that I love. And if it weren't for the first half, you, you would have even less characterization mm-hmm. of our of our gang. Right. So it's kind of one of those, well, do you want a, a rounded character or do you want a lot of action? Right. So, and it's hard for them well, to blend the two of those together. Uh, yes. I mean, if you, when you, when you watch the first, and by the first, I mean A New Hope, mm-hmm. <laughs> when you watch the first movie, um, it is always slower than I remember 
when I watch it. Um, there, there are parts that I think, oh, did you really need to show them walking across the sand this long or <laughs> the Jawas, you know, whatever. Um, but still at the same time, there manages to be character development more interspersed with, with the action. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in a way that you can come away with more of a quick summary of each character that I think, I think what people were, some people were objecting to with Jim was that they weren't quite sure always why she was doing what she was doing. Well, she didn't and, spell and, it out for them. Right. Exactly. And that's okay too. Mm-hmm. But I think in the, in the first, tri- in the original trilogy, you have like, oh, it, Luke, he is a farm boy and a dreamer and he wants to be part of the rebellion and he thinks it's this idealistic thing mm-hmm. and he wants to be a pilot and oh that Han well he's a scoundrel but he seems to have a heart of gold and it, like that you can kind of quickly grab on a little bit more right um then we could with with her mm-hmm. and with the guys that the background well the two guys we mentioned so far it's it's a little more mysterious with Baz and Shira I think it's a slightly more spelled out yeah uh they the, the whole city's gone yes. <laughs> uh which it was interesting to me because the the movie doesn't give you a whole lot of of these two or not maybe I want more that's probably oh I, I definitely want more definitely but, but I feel like they're more specific about guardians of the wills and how it, it seems like uh they both used to believe in something but now only one of them does mm-hmm. he's lost um, his way he's yeah but they're clearly tied together mm-hmm. and i too read them as a couple in yeah. the movie the first time i didn't and then i went back the second time i was like oh man no they they are definitely together I thought that, but then when I read the book, there are two different places where one thinks of the other as, quote, brother. Uh, well, I and know. I was like, well, what kind of brother? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, it's so ambiguous. I think it's one of those things you can read into it however you yeah, want. I think that's fine. And I think it goes the same way between the relationship between um, Cassian and Jen. Sure. You can read into it however you want, because there are people who are very firm, like, no, they did not ever develop actual true feelings for each other. And the other side is like, oh, yeah, they totally did. Uh, you can see in this one scene, they almost kind of sort of kiss before it cuts out. Could be. Yeah. But then also it could be something in the middle. Mm-hmm. Which is fine. And all of that is fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's nice not to have it built around yeah. romance. Yeah. Yes. Which was kind of the same thing we had in The Force Awakens. Yes. Where, you know, we kind of got this friendship between... Um, Finn and Ray, but it was never spelled out as a romance. So. But you feel like Finn is interested in her. Oh, yeah. You got a boyfriend, a cute boyfriend? Yeah. <laughs> so good. Um, K2SO. Oh, sorry. Uh, the, the best. <laughs> I, was, I was only disappointed that they, that they didn't kill him sort of with a rod through the chest. I know. I was waiting for, like, leaf in the wind. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> It was one of those things where I, when I was watching the movie the first time and K2SO went down, I was like, oh, no, none of them are making it out. If the droid can't live through this, nobody else can. <laughs> Which, And then I thought to myself, why is Gina Torres not in this movie? Exactly. She would be, like, perfect on this kind of mission. Oh, she'd be a great Jen. Rit- yes. Just saying. Just saying. Or she couldn't have been a great any of the other yeah. characters as well. As well. Um, but I, I really appreciated the the humor he had. Um, yeah. Just every time you showed up on screen, every audience I was in just laughed. 
And it was yes, and and it's not a different from three PO humor, where three PO had that nervous energy, and you kind of laughed at his expense. K two S O was more of a, oh, he knows he's funny, he knows what he's doing. We're laughing it with him. Like the kinds of things I imagine R two saying, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but but we just have to keep imagining. Yeah. Um, if I can go back to the the book. Again, mm-hmm. because my the moment that really just killed me um, in the novelization, it was a K2SO moment mm-hmm. where he is, you know, trying to find out how can we get the tape? How can we get this off planet? How can we get the plans mm-hmm. to the rebellion? And he's running yes. through strategies. He's yeah. analyzing, you know, escape routes and things like that. And he realizes that he's been running these um, scenarios where Cassian lives yes. and every time it fails. And when he stops and runs a scenario where he prioritizes getting the tapes, getting the plans off instead of casting living, it works. Yes. <sighs> but then when he's about to go down, doesn't he run the one again where yeah. Cassian to comfort himself? <laughs> <laughs> it's like this stupid droid. <laughs> Just, <laughs> but that, that's, a, that's an example of a moment of characterization you get in a novel that you don't get in the movie. Yep. Um, and... But- there seemed to be more, though, here. I mean, the, the Force Awakens novelization definitely had more than what was in the movie, but not this much more. No, no, no. Not, no. not at all. Yeah, the, the novelization for Force Awakens was, meh, to me. Like, I explained how Poe got off Jakku and explained um, the resistance diplomat who went to, um, oh, uh-huh. gosh, yeah. wherever. Uh, uh, Corsella. Yes, uh, to uh, and Prime. Mm-hmm. But it, it didn't really give me much more. It didn't make me love the characters more like the Rogue One novelization made me love all the characters more. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, just with Jin, I mean, I wrote down a couple f- phrases that were said about her and they change over time. But like, they're just little things where it says she has a survival instinct. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's proud and she had believed when she was with Saw Guerrera and she, but, but now quote, she was hollow and she was, she needs, it kept saying over and over, she needs, mm-hmm. um, and she was broken, but she was faking strength. And why are Baze and Chirrut following her? Chirrut says, because she shines, oh. which sort of implies, it sort of implies a little force something, but it doesn't have to right, be, right. be read that way. Um, and what she's fighting because it's all she's ever done. And so it, there, there's just a lot more there in very small phrases. And there's a lot more complexity about how she feels about her father. Mm-hmm. I guess we should talk about Galen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's about that time. Galen is mm. the reason why the Death Star blew up. Yes. And I love, I love that addition. Like, it's not just some flaw that they overlooked. It was deliberate. And it was this man's way to rebel and make yeah, sure totally. that it, it worked. Brilliant uh, idea. Oh, yeah. It was, it was so – I mean, it made sense because you spent the whole time like, why didn't they just cover it up or why did they reinforce it or you know, block it off in some way? But they had no idea. They had no clue. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, you read Catalyst as well, right? I did. I James yes. Lucino. That book takes place um, – Right at the end of the Clone Wars, beginning of the Empire, and up to about when Jin is three. Right. So about, mm-hmm. about three years time. It starts when um, Lyra is pregnant. Yes. Uh, so it's a short period of time where Krennic kind of 
inserts himself into Galen's life again. Yes. And Galen is a energy specialist, more or less, uh, researching right. kyber crystals. And that's how he mm-hmm. met Lyra, who's um, a, a geologist. I, I Do you want to say you want to say what a kyber crystal is, just uh, in case people uh, aren't? Well, for those not in the know, <laughs> a kyber crystal is kind of a like a force sensitive um, rock. I've heard that it might also be sentient. Mm, yes, I that might be coming in the canon. We'll yeah. see. Uh, but it's the the power source of a lightsaber, right? And uh, you know, younglings go into kyber crystal caves and they find the crystal that speaks to them, and that's their lightsaber crystal. So it's very, um, it's connected to a, a person. It's connected to a force sensitive person. Yes, as depicted in some of the novels and also in the Clone Wars cartoon. Yes. Uh, so he's been researching energy on kyber crystals. Lyra is uh, well-traveled, and she takes people on expeditions to these caves and, and things like that. And Krennic realizes that we can harness this information and try to build a super rep- weapon out of it. Yes. And it's like, wow. So he manipulates uh, Galen into thinking that, oh, what you're doing is energy research for the Empire. And slowly but surely, Galen kind of realizes I'm being duped. Yes, <laughs> very slowly. Very slowly. Lyra is sitting there going like, uh, you need to get come out of on, this. Come on, come on. Yeah. Like yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I enjoy reading Star Wars novels because I enjoy reading Star Wars novels. But this one was a bit of a slog for me because I felt he he Galen is the main character and I just had difficulty with him. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of like in a horror movie when you watch someone about to get killed and you're like, come on, get out of the way. Yeah. It, was, it was kind of like that. And I really liked Lyra and she winds up sort of being the wife. I mean, she gets to, she gets to do stuff, but she's mm-hmm. kind of the wife because the focus is so much on, on Galen and, and how he is just manipulated repeatedly mm-hmm. by Krennic. And the, the other difficulty that I had that I, I mean, I'm, not with the writing. There was nothing wrong with the writing. It's just that if I'm about to launch into a movie that's starring Jin Erso, and we know that it's going to be about Jin Erso finding her father, then show me something be- happening between Jin Erso and her father. But what the book basically does is show you that Galen Erso ignored his wife and child for mm-hmm. a few years while he was working on this project. Yeah. And maybe what felt like 10 pages from the end, he does a thing that only happens in pop culture and not real life, which is he looks into the eyes of his lovely daughter and realizes how important she is. Mm-hmm. And as a father where he's missed the first few years of her life, basically. Yeah. Um, and that's when they run away and to the planet where we see them, where, where Rogue One begins. But I just, it was tough for me. Yeah, it was, I, I appreciated the writing. Like I like James Luceno and, yeah, and what he does. Um, but I had to I had to read Galen as someone who had a social impairment, um, someone who didn't understand what's going on, who, you know, they always write like the brilliant genius who doesn't focus on relationships or, or whatever. But that's not true of Galen because we know that, I mean, Lyra is very socially conscious. She, yes. She can read people. And so there's this idea that at some point he must have been better than he was now. And I don't yes. know if it was the ma- manipulation of Krennic that made him worse or um, the idea of advancing in his career or, you know, something like that. Because I can see that happening where people get so tied up in their work or 
um, you know, I'm making a huge change for the world. If I can just get past this one part mm -hmm. or, you know, give me one more month and then things will be better. I can see that pattern developing, which is interesting to see him do a 180 and yes, drop it all and then try to be a dad for about five years. And then... <laughs> Ouch. But yes, yes. I mean, it, and that's why I was especially frustrated. There, there was, uh, there, there wasn't any necessary reason why Galen Urso had to be Galen Urso mm -hmm. designing the Death Star because it could have been Lyra Urso. Yeah. The only, the only reason I could come up with is that the Empire itself is so is white dudes. Yeah, white dudes. Which Agreed. is fine. If you're going to have space Nazis, you want then them do to, it. Then go just, <laughs> go for it. Just do it. But then I I thought of something actually while I was reading the book that I hadn't thought while I was watching the movie, which is if you're going to go that way, then you should probably also make Bodhi white. Yes. Yeah. Not that I would want to trade Reese Ahmed. He was great. No. But if you're trying to make a point like when Galen in in the movie when Galen comes out with the engineers, they're all middle-aged white guys. Mm -hmm. And I assumed that was to make a point, yeah. but maybe it wasn't because of the total lack of women in the movie. But, um, <laughs> well, but they looked but, way too similar for it not to be a point. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> but if you're, if you're writing this whole novel that's showing me this tight relationship between Lyra and Jin, then why not then just continue that into the movie or mm -hmm. then write the novel with a tight relationship between Galen and Jin? Yeah. No. I don't know. I don't know. Star Wars has always been about fathers, so... Yes, it is. <laughs> oh, speaking of which, this is off-subject, but uh, I have to bring it up because it was hilarious. I read an article today about how the Empire would have never risen if they had adequate female healthcare system. <laughs> and I was like, what? Click. Let's read this. And it was about how Anakin was so afraid of losing Padme in childbirth. Okay, cool. Um, but the author made an argument that they would have had no reason to fear if there was a proper medical, female medical health system in place. <laughs> I was like, okay, tell me more. And so I'm scrolling it, and this person reasoned that Padme never truly hid her pregnancy. I mean, she right, went out right. to the Senate, she entertained friends, she never told who was a father, so there was no reason why she wouldn't go see uh, OBGYN. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a woman in in power in the core world on Coruscant. I mean, mm. she, she should have had best healthcare imaginable. Yes, she didn't even know she was having twins. So you know, she never saw anyone or had an ultrasound. Yep. So it was like, well, you know, if there was this fear that she was going to die, they would have done something. And then you know, when they had like the the birth scene, and she just died from being sad, or died from a broken heart, or something. Um, the, the droids are like, we have no idea. So it's like this whole mystery going on here. And I was like, that's a good argument. And uh, the author also ar argued that um, it was lazy writing because nobody well, bothered. <laughs> well, I mean, the whole thing. <laughs> Not just that one part, but the idea that um, the female reproductive system was so mysterious that. Right, right. <laughs> Well, it was a long time ago, you know. And yeah, so such a long time ago that they had all kinds of technology, but they could not master birth. No, no. Uh, okay, so is there anything else we want to say about Rogue One before we move move on? Um, we probably should mention Saw Gerrera. Oh yes, yeah. Uh, that was an interesting addition. It was. Um, 
I was I found it kind of a surprising addition because when he was in the couple of Clone Wars cartoon episodes that he was in, he didn't strike me as as all that interesting really. But um, I, I appreciate ties to that series, mm-hmm. and I appreciate the idea that that um, this person has fought so hard and so long that he's going to use whatever methods he thinks necessary. And I appreciate that they seem to be trying to set him up as sort of a Darth Vader. Mm, but, with the breathing. But, with the breathing. But which was only the first breath, actually, that yeah. it made that noise. The subsequent breaths did not, but whatever, I got what you were trying to do. But that he was more machine. But I, I just I had trouble with uh, with him playing like the magical Negro role of <laughs> I'm gonna inspire you and I'm just gonna sit here while I die. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna yell, Go in a Save dramatic the rebellion. Because somebody has to do that. And I I just um I I wanted to like it more than I did. Yeah. Well, to be fair, everyone died, so he would have died later. <laughs> but I I would have preferred but, if yeah. he had died later because yeah. then he could have walked into the conference room with them and pe- and people would turn their backs on him or something. I don't know. There could have been some drama there. Yeah, that would have been pretty cool. Plus you've got Forrest Whitaker. Yes. Who Use will him. be on Rebels. Yes, on Saturday. Yes, I'm excited. Um yeah, I I did like the uh, I don't know. I got I I know that the parts on Jeddah were filmed in Jordan. Oh, mm-hmm. and the the rebels that they featured in those scenes. I mean, I don't know if it was because of the climate we live in now, but the first thing I thought was like, oh my gosh, they're making very overt terrorist comparisons here. Um, as far mm-hmm. as like going into public places and mm-hmm. shooting down, yeah. and I mean civilians everywhere, throwing grenades. Um, I was like, no, this is you know this is pretty scary to me and i understand why there was or not the resistance the rebellion is trying to you know push themselves away from from this extremism yeah i i did appreciate that i it and it reminded me of um a, a novel series that we talked about before the the x-wing series mm-hmm. that's from the 90s and some of the, the the books are about the people who were then called Rogue Squadron, now one assumes mm-hmm. after Rogue One. Um, and then three of those books were about kind of a, an offshoot of that called Wraith Squadron. And Wraith Squadron would do the kinds of stuff that you that you saw here. I mean, they would they were pilots and, you know, Wedge was one of Wedge Antilles was one of them, but they were pilots. But they would also they would do commando missions and they would just out and out kill people. Mm-hmm. And it was sort of sanctioned by the the rebel, well, I guess it was the New Republic then, but whatever. I mean, people knew they were doing it, but they didn't really want to be, they would give them orders to do it, but they didn't want to know how they did it or be associated it's with kinda it. kind of like the X-Force. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Star Wars exactly. universe. Right. X, X-Force and X-Men. It's kind of analogous to that. Yeah. So I appreciated that moral grayness and that dirtiness as opposed to what we usually get in Star Wars, which is the bright light, light and dark. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, real quick question. Because I saw another complaint from a lot of people who weren't, you know, reading interviews ahead of time or reading novels afterwards, that they forgot all the characters' names. And oh. so I paid attention. And yes, they do mention the first and last name of every character. Yeah. But I cannot remember if they said Mon Mothma or Bail Organa at any point. Oh. Because I, I sat there and I was like, we. I mean, I can see Mon Mothma. I'm like, oh, I know who you are. I've got your action figure. Like, let's do this. And yeah, because no, I didn't no. pay attention. You're right. I mean, a, a friend of mine who um, 
I mean, someone I've known since I was 10, but who has never cared about any of this stuff, went to see it with her three sons. And she basically said she didn't know what the hell was going on. <laughs> and, you know, she she felt like it was just for fans. And it was hard for me to sort of figure out if that was true or not, because I know stuff. But yeah, you may you may be right about that. I don't remember I don't remember their names being said. Yeah. I mean, we see we see Bale and we're like, yes, he's here. Like, let's, let's get some stuff done. Mm-hmm. And I was like, did they introduce him at any point? And I, I don't think they did. Uh, yeah. You, you know what? I probably didn't notice because he stepped out of the shadows and I had tears in my eyes. Yeah. So I, I was blind at that point and <laughs> I don't even know what he said. Oh, and the fact that he says, um, I will yeah. trust her with my life or I would trust her with my life. But now I'm going to return to Alderaan. So, no, no, yeah. don't go home. <laughs> Alderaan, gosh. <laughs> uh, so, as, you know, it's, it's difficult to rank Star Wars movies because there are certain aspects of every single one of them that are, are good and bad. Um, mm. Even the ones I feel are bad, I still have moments where I get real excited about them. Um, but, you know, when I think about where Rogue One falls on the rewatchability scale mm-hmm. with empire being most rewatchable and attack mm-hmm. of the clones being least rewatchable <laughs> <laughs> yeah rogue one falls somewhere in the top half for me um you know in that new hope force awakens area i don't know i i would say it's in the firm middle for me mm-hmm. i'm not really sure yet i think i just i haven't seen it as many times as i've seen the others mm-hmm. but i but i i I just feel like I have to say one more time that the number of women was so disappointing. And I'm not talking about just among kind of the core group. I mean, as you know, I sort of count you literally count them. Count them all. Well, yeah, because IMDb is very kind to list every credited and uncredited character. Mm-hmm. And, and there are 103 characters. Half of them are credited, half are uncredited. And of those 103, only 12 are women. Yeah. And and three of those are Jin, because two of them were young Jin, <laughs> and one of them is mother of lost child in village. Oh, you know, yeah, not acceptable. That's mm-hmm. not acceptable. Did you pick up the visual dictionary? No, but you said there was cool stuff in it. Yeah, so the visual dictionary kind of lists out a lot of the pilots mm-hmm. and soldiers, which you know in the movie like one of them there is were- named or two. Um, but there were a couple of women that were listed in the visual dictionary that I must have missed in mm. the final edited movie. Um, and, you know, I, I was looking for one of them because I saw a picture in the book. And when I went to go see the movie again, they showed the, um, the little carrier that the pilots ride when they go to their ships. Yeah. She was on it from one side, but the movie filmed it from the opposite side. <laughs> and so all I saw was her X-Wing helmet with the yellow aces, or maybe it was she a Y-Wing have, helmet. Maybe she was one of the two female pilots, because I count, well, and also this is on IMDb, Jen Mon Mothma, mm-hmm. Lyra, Senator Palma, mm-hmm. she's the woman who's speaking around the table, two pilots, two servers at Jeddah, okay. Leia, Oh, we didn't talk about CGI. Oh. <laughs> a, a rebel engineer, the mother of lost child, and quote unquote villager. Okay, that's all I've got. Yeah, um, and the book doesn't add much more to that. They add a soldier. There's a female soldier. <laughs> oh, 
Okay. But but seriously, women are not 11.6% of the population of Earth. It's not that hard to find us. No. And and I, I strained my eyes looking for a soldier's face that looked somewhat feminine. <laughs> I could not find her. <laughs> Granted, she could be there, and I'm just, you know, narrowing my view of femininity too much. But I was looking. I was looking for her. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think uh, The Force Awakens was more in the neighborhood of, of 20% female. Okay which is like the largest number of any Star Wars movie. But of course, even that is, is a troublingly low number. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But that this is less than that? Oh, geez, come on. Hopefully, hopefully episode eight, we'll have more. Hopefully. Hopefully. And doesn't the Han Solo movie have a actress of color? Ah, better be Sana. That's all it, I'm saying. I think it's Sana. I think it is. Uh, uh, and CGI. Yeah. So I thought it was weird at first me too it's like oh this is making me uncomfortable because yes i I couldn't i couldn't not stare at it i almost couldn't hear what he was saying because i was so focused on seeing what looked good and what looked fake like it it took Mm -hmm. me out of the movie yes with with tarkin to be clear and another part of it for me was the ethical part where it's like oh sure he's been dead for a while and it's odd, like I just, but you can't tell this story without Tarkin, and Tarkin is so iconic in the way he looks that I was like, oh man, I get it, I understand. I get it, but that guy that they had at the very end of Revenge of the Sith, I think he did the motion capture. Okay, he, he really does kind of look like Peter Cushing. Yeah, and you know, Mon Mothma. They, sure, they got a different actress, and she looks right, and, and nobody seemed that concerned about that. Mm-mm. Um, and then CGI Leia, yeah, at the very end, which was another um, one of those. I'm like, oh, this looks good. glowing. But something's <laughs> yeah. off. Like I can't put my finger on. You said glowing, and, uh, a little too luminous or something. I their their eyes, I guess, seemed a bit watery. I mean, make no mistake, the into- the technology is totally impressive. Mm-hmm. But but the problem is, you get in in that uncanny valley when it's only ninety six percent awesome and not 100% awesome. Mm-hmm. You just become very aware. But I, I totally, I really do understand why they did it, mm-hmm. why they ended on her, why they ended on her saying the word hope. That was great. Yes, that was, that was one of those like, the, like you pay your dues the whole movie, you go through all this yeah. death and this awfulness and in the very end you have that and then you go home and watch A New Hope immediately. I did, yes. Oh, man, I watched New Hope more often this past month than I have Gosh, I don't know. It's been a while since I marathoned it over and over again. Yeah, and I watched it. I mean, I watched it right after I saw the movie, which was only really like a week and a half ago because I had to finish all my my grades for the semester first. And then I watched it again when Carrie Fisher died. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that is more than I know you watched them more than than that but that's more than I know I don't normally watch it twice in a week yeah well I, I haven't watched one of the um Star Wars movies since she's died oh and I was like oh man I, I feel like I should but maybe it's too soon like I just trying to gauge when when's appropriate for that um we can take let's take a sidebar and talk about the princess diarist okay um because that's Star Wars adjacent <laughs> But not canon. So, <laughs> yeah, right. right. <laughs> um, 
Princess Iris is Carrie's, Carrie Fisher's um, final uh, book, unless yes. she has one that they dig up later and publish um, in the future. But this is a memoir and a collection of some of the diary entries from when she was filming Star Wars. When she was 19. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, I mean... That she had, she just had sizable ovaries on her that she would feel okay about showing people a thing that she wrote when she was nineteen. Because oh I, I, you couldn't pay me enough to go there. It was amazing. I, I loved as well. I listened to the audio book of it, mm-hmm. which was Carrie reading, you know, all her commentary, <laughs> and then Billy Lord reading the diary entries. Oh, okay. which was perfect. Because, you know, Carrie Fisher had this self-deprecating humor and she was just mm-hmm. like, just cracked up the entire time. And then when we get to the, the teenage angst and having her daughter read it, I, it's just like a total shift in emotion where it's like, oh my gosh, this is like so much longing and... Yes, <laughs> just, definitely longing. <laughs> I was like, man, a teenager wrote this. Yes, yeah. I know. A, te- a, a teenager, a very smart teenager with high emotion, Mm -hmm. but who you can still tell is very young. Um, It's, it it was, yeah, it was so interesting to read the juxtaposition of what the way she was talking about what happened in her present voice, and then to read the way that she wrote about it then. Mm -hmm. And some of it is in poetry. Yes. Pretty good poetry, I thought. I don't have, I I don't have a good ear for poetry, but... No, I, I thought I thought it was too. I mean, she does have. She's very sensitive about. Was very sensitive about uh, having dropped out of high school to go work with her mother on the road on stage, um, and so she, I guess, often felt like she was overcompensating for that. But she does sound like someone who has more formal education, or maybe just sort of you know, had a, a very strong ear and affinity for language. Mm-hmm. Probably but read she, a lot too. Yes. Mm-hmm. And and so I think that this, along with her previous ones, um, Wishful Drinking and Shockaholic, I would absolutely recommend all three of them because of the, her combination of just being hilarious and witty and saying things. I mean, this is one of the great things about her period. <laughs> that was comma, period. <laughs> her period. Oh, she would love that. <laughs> she totally would. She totally would. You're welcome, Carrie. Um <laughs> One of the best things about her is the way that she just says stuff. Mm-hmm. She says stuff that people don't want to say and don't want to hear. Yeah. And and as as much as I am very attached to Princess Leia because she was my first hero, because like I said, she was white and brunette and short, and she just lifted her chin to Darth Vader and was like, no. Um, you know, I, Carrie Fisher as writer, as script doctor, and as an interviewee and a tweeter who just would speak her mind mm-hmm. as an older woman in Hollywood among a group of people that are not so listened to and are not given jobs, you know, that's a big, oh, and a mental health advocate. Yes. That is, all of that is a huge, huge deal. Mm-hmm. A huge, big life. Yeah. I mean, she could be cutting, but she was also very kind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like Leia, you know, she just never gave up. Right. So it was, I was, um, Matt was reading off a bunch of the, the list of names of people who worked on Star Wars that passed away this year. Yeah. And it was, it's pretty substantial. It was, it, you know, it's a pretty long list. And a lot of them are, you know, background actors or mm-hmm. people who did 
this in the editing room or that in the soundboard. Um, and of course, Kenny Baker, who right. I, I don't remember when he passed this year, but I remember um, reading his obituary in um, Star Wars Insider. They, yeah. they put a nice little thing in there about him. And I assume that when the next issue comes out, they'll have one for Carrie Fisher as well. But it just cracked me up because I kept seeing this meme float around about, uh, you know, Carrie Fisher would tell everyone that she had sex with Harrison Ford in his prime. <laughs> and then just leave. <laughs> yeah. Good night, everybody. <laughs> so I was like, that's awesome. That cracks me up so much. Uh, well, so many things she said were so funny. Mm -hmm. Like that, like there was, there were people who, for very good reasons, that we don't have to go into right now. We're sort of protesting that for years. The only Leia action figure you could find was the one in the bikini. Mm. And so, so there was this father on some local news channel who said, well, what should I tell my kid? And so Carrie Fisher said, you should tell your kid that they, that this awful thing made me put this on. And then I choked him with it. And then I went backstage and I took it off and it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's Which about is, right. Yep. Yeah. Just totally matter of fact about everything. Mm -hmm. um, so in the in the same Princess Leia topic, let's talk about Bloodline. Okay. Uh, this is a Claudia Gray novel that came out back in May, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, in spring, definitely. And this is a story that takes place about six years before The Force Awakens. And it is essentially how the the senate the ruling bodies decided to move forward and it's so boring um you know do we go <laughs> you're really selling it now i know I'm, I'm trying to think like okay the important part is you know it's leia the beginning of the resistance and the beginning of the first order yes yes and i was trying to explain it to my father-in-law one night i was like okay so it's like democrats and republicans do you want centralized power or do you want mm -hmm. it spread out across the galaxy according to the the needs of each system yeah. or planet and Leia was a proponent of, hey, you know, decentralized things. Every yeah. system is unique. Every planet's unique. There's no way we could govern an entire galaxy. And the other faction in the Senate was, no, the Empire was a good idea. The Emperor was bad. Right. So let's have but, an Empire. But, centri but centrism is efficient. Yes. Yes. And, you know, so that's kind of the, the big argument of the book. But what happens is... Uh, they're electing a lead senator, you know, kind mm -hmm. of a compromise, someone who's representing the entire Senate and Leia is nominated and has revealed that she is the daughter of Darth Vader in kind of a, a scandal, a smear campaign, more or less. And it's, you know, her trying to overcome this and um, convince people that, okay, yeah, I was related to Darth Vader, but I never knew him. <laughs> he right. didn't raise me. <laughs> <laughs> but it was definitely one of the, the I mean there were so many good books that came out this year but this was definitely one of the ones I was looking forward to the most yes I would say this was my favorite um, the others being tell me if I'm missing something the others being Aftermath, Ahsoka Catalyst and Rogue One mm -hmm. and the Force Awakens novelization yeah, I guess yeah um, I just liked the the writing style of this one so much, as I did with Claudia Gray's previous book, Lost Stars. Mm -hmm. I liked the politics of it, and I liked the very the, the I liked the 
human element of Leia trying to deal with this thing, but also being sensitive to how to present it to different people, but never being anything less than honest. Um, and then there's 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 some intrigue and there's some action um, and somebody refers to her as Hut Slayer, which is the best thing ever. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but really, it's about the formation uh, that the First Order basically has already formed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the resistance has to sort of rise against it. And so at the end, that's kind of what what you get to. Yeah. Uh, and there are some interesting new characters. Yeah, this is one I have not read this one again since May, but I remember she has a um, an assistant, kind of a um, oh yeah. The assistant is is Corsella. Corsella, and the, I really like the one her. Who dies, the one who dies on Hosnian Prime, but here she, uh, she she like resigns when she finds out that Leia is Vader's daughter. She comes back, but mm-hmm. she is very upset. And there's a female pilot who's cool. Mm-hmm. That's the one I really like. I just can't remember any, yes. anyone's name here. And she had a, she had she had some kind of disease. Remember? Mm-hmm. About yeah. flying, related to flying, and Han knew her because she she was a um, a pilot on Greer. his circuit or something. Yeah, Greer was her name. Okay. Yes. I and then there's her. that villainous woman who cares all about royal titles. Uh, yeah, I did not like her. No, no, you're not supposed to. <laughs> But this one, so, yeah. um, like you said, Claudia Gray, she wrote Lost Stars, which is, I think, my favorite Star Wars novel. I, um, It's really good. I really already booked it again last month, and I was like, man. They mentioned Kyber Crystals in that mm-hmm. novel. Yes. Like, oh, they're piecing everything together. It's coming together. Yeah. It's time to go back yeah. and reread everything again. Make sure I'm not missing anything. No, I'm sure you're not missing anything. <laughs> probably not. Probably not. Um, you mentioned you mentioned briefly the new aftermath book, mm-hmm. and when I was going through my list of, of things that came out this year, this was one where I was like, "Oh my gosh, I couldn't even sum it up." There were too many things. A lot going of stuff on. happened. Yeah, and it's the second in a trilogy. So mm-hmm. the first one was wait, the first one was just aftermath, right? And this one was life. Life. Okay. Right. Um, Yeah. So if you hadn't, I would say you don't really want to read this one unless you read the first one, because Mm -hmm. all the characters in it are kind of being introduced in the first one. Um, uh, Nora, the mother of Snap Wexley. Snap. Snap. Yeah. Because he snaps. That was a bit boring, but whatever. Uh, Nora and, and her husband. And there's Sinjir, a former Imperial, and Snap is old enough. Well, he's present in both books, but he's like a teenager. Mm-hmm. And then a couple, some bounty hunters, Jazz and, and John. Jazz and John and um, Sloane, Ray Sloane, yes. who is uh, a new Imperial character, a, a woman of color, uh, who also shows up in the Kanan comic briefly. Who else is in that book? Uh, Galley Rax. Rax, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And Leia is pregnant with, with Ben in this book, and she asks Nora and the gang to go to Kashyyyk um, because she thinks Han is there. Yeah, something about um, which he, he is. got kidnapped or captured, and Han had to go save him, but the Resistance couldn't, or the New, the new Republic um, couldn't spare ships or couldn't spare it 
just to go save yeah, one Wookiee. Yeah, right, right, right. Uh-huh. So Nora and her team goes to to help Han, which I think that was the biggest complaint for Aftermath was that, you know, we had this idea that we'll be getting, you know, Han, Luke, and Leia in this story. Yeah. But we got a little bit of Wedge and yeah. mostly new characters. And this one, the second one, has a lot more Han and Leia. It does. Which I appreciated. Um Yes, I, I liked this one more than, than the first Aftermath, because the first Aftermath, I, I wanted more characters that mm-hmm. I knew. Yeah, yeah. But I grew to like Sinjir a lot. Yes, uh-huh. He, he's my favorite of... And his boyfriend. Yes, of, of this group that he's just so... And the audiobook, I, I, I do the Star Wars audiobooks because they have mm-hmm. laser sounds in them. Yeah, that's cool. And music in the background, which is great. But he just has like this haughty like voice to him. Like, mm-hmm. like he's always looking down his nose at people, but he secretly <laughs> likes people. Yes, right. Um, I'm like, I connect with this character. I like this one. Yeah, um, I like it too. But with, with Life Debt, they could skip past all the introductions and yeah. you know, the early character development and just give us a little bit more of the plot stuff. It also introduced therapy Ewoks. Yeah. Which I was like, that's odd. I don't know how I feel about that because they're like sentient beings. But, who let people pet them. I don't know. Yeah. I was like, okay. Uh, all right. But the, I, they rationalized it like, oh, Ewoks were so happy that you got rid of the Imperials that they offered their services as therapy pets. Because Yes, because they're like comforting. I mean, they're not Gary Fisher. Come on now. Yeah. And also they, <laughs> they kill people. <laughs> 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 and possibly, you know, some theories and say well, they eat people. They're good too. at it. They're good at it. Yeah, exactly. They kill and eat people. They're not your pet. No, no. So I'm, I'm kind of interested in reading more about how that works out and when they stop that after someone gets into uh, yeah, an accident. I, I'm, not, I'm not supportive of that. Oh, it was, it was like so weird. So weird to me. But I, but I think that the yeah, I think that the main core um, in those books. It, it, the first one and the, the second one, this one, Life Debt, um, you know, they, they've come together a little bit more. Um, and I would assume, well, I don't know what I should assume. I assume that on the Imperial side, at least, we'll see more of these people in the movie because there's reference to Hux. Mm-hmm. Um, the father of the Hux that's yeah. in The Force Awakens. So you would think that in the next book in this trilogy that there will be more about that yeah yeah which i'm interested uh in seeing how that plays out especially since i don't know how old uh what's his name uh arm arm of something hux yeah i want to say armitage i don't think that's right though yeah i almost said armitage it might it might be right star wars is weird about stuff like that yeah Um, because uh ben solo is not born yet and in the movie i thought they were about the same age but I, i could be wrong I don't have my visual dictionary in front of me to check the ages on the adults. So no, I don't remember how old. Yeah. I don't remember about in aftermath, how old Hux was. Yeah. Surely they're only like four or five years apart. I would think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's about right. Um, and then the last book I want to talk about is Ahsoka. Yes. Oh my gosh. Um, it's another, it's a YA book. Hmm. But it doesn't really read like one to me. It's a bit more deathy than lots of YA books can be. Right. Uh, this is one that I was looking forward to um, almost as much as Bloodline. And 
part of that was because we have this huge gap in Ahsoka's mm-hmm. history where yes. she leaves the Jedi Order and then she comes back as Fulcrum in Rebels. And something's <laughs> happened in those years. Yes, and Ahsoka... Like, un- un- unlike Ezra, who who continues to be annoying on Rebels, ah- Ahsoka was annoying for a much shorter period of time in the Clone Wars, <laughs> such that I grew to be very, very attached to her. So, yeah, like you, I was really excited about this book. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this book is kind of just her being independent and saving nations and helping people and connecting with others who aren't Jedi and aren't part of her world. And I, I think the thing I was most excited about from this book was explanation of her lightsabers. Yeah, that was cool. That was possibly my favorite part. Yes. And of course that was like right at the end where, um, I felt like the narrator of the audiobook wasn't reading fast enough. So I stopped it, pulled up the book. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right, let's get this done. Um, but I believe was it an inquisitor that had the lightsabers in the first place. Yes, And, they, and so they were, well, you, you mean the crystals? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so the 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 crystals that she used to build her white lightsabers that she has in Rebels, they were in an Inquisitor's lightsaber, and they were red. Mm-hmm. But when she puts them together herself, they turn white. Sentient rocks. So we find out that this is because when a, a Sith, the reason that all the Sith lightsabers are red is that whatever crystals they gather... Tell me if I'm remembering this correctly. It's it's something like the crystals bleed because they're being like used painful. to harness the dark side, sort mm-hmm. of. Yeah. So um, that's why they're red. Mm-hmm. But she can turn them back to white, apparently. Yeah. Almost like she cleanses them. Yeah. Like and, it, and it's interesting because she uses the alias she uses because she can't go by Ahsoka Tano you know, former Padawan. She uses the alias of Ashla, which if you've for whatever reason, read sort of nonfiction books about the making of Star Wars or even some of George Lucas's original drafts. Um, Ashla was what he called the light side of the force and he called the dark side Bogan. Bogan. I yeah, did I not know. know that. That is not a very strong name. <laughs> um, um, but the, the book also ends with her connecting with Bail Organa. Yes. More Bail Organa and everything. Yeah. And... You know, it's just one of those things, like, as soon as the book ended, I was like, okay, so... Now write another book. Write another so book. So I know what happened after this. But have it where Ahsoka and Leia meet. I, I, like, I'm, I'm ready for that, because if she's in contact with Bale, and at this point, Leia is, what, three? They had they had her, like, walking a little bit. Yes. Um, right. Surely there's some connection between the two. Or will be. Or some, it could just be a short little thing, but I would very much like to see it. I need it. I need it. The way, the way this book was structured, it had these little interludes. And they kind of, on the one hand, they interrupted the pacing of the main story, which is how she's sort of undercover and she's living on this planet. But, you know, she wants to help people, so she uses the forest, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but the interludes, they, they interrupted that story. But on the other hand, I really liked the interludes because the interludes were about things like how she led the clones to liberate Mandalore. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of the, it's the problem I have when I when I watch Rebels, which is that whenever there's some when they bring in something from the Clone Wars era, I always become much more interested. Yeah. Just because I'm more attached to those 
those characters than, than the rebel characters. Yeah. And I don't know if that's because one came first or I don't know if it's the animation style or the length of, you know, exposure to the characters, but rebels to me is not as good as clone wars. Yeah. I, I definitely feel that way. I do watch it. I mean, I watch it faithfully, but I, I think my main problem is I don't like the person who's supposed to be the point of view character, which is Ezra. I just find him irritating. And, and I understand you want to show growth, but it's been, it's the third season. Yeah. Grow grow faster already. He got a haircut. Yeah. So what? Is that not enough? (laughs) No, that is not enough. I mean, the, the, you and I have talked about this before, but I mean, just the two of us, but like the episodes that had Ahsoka, I mean, my, emotion was just so much more heightened and I was so much more invested and especially the ones that were the end of last season. Mm. (laughs) Okay. So do you think she knows that Anakin is Darth Vader in the Ahsoka novel or in the cartoon? Let's do cartoon. Uh, Well, there's the, I I mean, in the, in the novel, there's this thing like she sort of reaches out and she doesn't feel anything mm-hmm. in the force. Right. But in the in the cartoon, one of the was it one of the first times she's on where she's with Ezra and Kanan on the ship and she sort of reaches out and she faints. Yes. Yeah. I assumed she knew then because she just looks shocked and she just like passes out. Mm hmm. Um, so that by the time they face each other in, in the end, um, she definitely, I think she, she knows yeah. that he's in there. And then when she, they have their, uh, it's so awful. She says, she says, you know, I won't leave you because she feels guilty. Like she abandoned him and maybe that's why this happened. And she's like, I won't, I won't leave you. And he says, then you will die. Oh, with sort of half Matt Lanter voice actor and half James Earl Jones uh, put together. Mm-hmm. They put the two voices together for when the mask was sort of partly uh, cut yeah. off. Yeah. Oh, man. Great. It was great. And, it was great. And, you know, we talked about in Rogue One about making Vader scary again. Yes. And oh, my God. He comes down on top of the ship standing on it. And you're like, <laughs> yes. Oh, it's so crazy. Like, Rebels did a good job, you know, as, as, like, I don't like the core characters as much, but what they've done with bringing in the legacy yeah, has, has been great. And yeah. whether that's, you know, Vader or adding a 15-year-old Princess Leia or, you know, um, ships and things like that, they've, they've really done their, their, their duty connecting Clone Wars to the rest of the Star Wars universe. Because to yes. me, Re- that's what Rebels is. It's it's right. kind of dragging this, you know, this era that, you know, a lot of people just don't like the prequels very much. Right. And Clone right. Wars did a good job redeeming a lot of it. Yes. Mm-hmm. But now you still have to connect it to New Hope. Right. So they're trying to connect in both directions. So they have Rex, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had Ahsoka. Uh, and they're and, and right and through the character of Sabine, they can call back to Mandalorians that we already knew, mm-hmm. and it's like there's more of that coming up. Um, and then there's kind of the the push forward with what was my favorite episode so far this season, the Antilles extraction, where 
<laughs> where uh, Wedge and Hobby, um, two of our favorite pilots uh, from the original trilogy area and many, many novels, the, the Rogue Squadron, or the, sorry, the X-Wing novels where they're in Rogue Squadron and Raid Squadron, um, they're, they're, they are the ones that defect from Imperial what do you, I want to say Starfleet Academy. That's not the right. Oh, cr- they call it something. Imperial, yeah. Star, star something. Star yes. strike or, or whatever, whatever training right. base they're at. Yeah. And today uh, the mid season trailer came out yes, showing, some, showing someone else from um, the original trilogy days. Mm-hmm. We're saying stuff, right? Oh yeah. Go for it. Yeah. So it's like Alec Guinness, Obi-Wan. Yes. 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 <laughs> yes. Which is great because that's another thing that uh, needs connecting. Like we, Ewan McGregor did a great job, mm-hmm. kind of carrying that that character and you know pushing back and and going you know further um, behind in the timeline. But what was he doing in those that desert all those years? You I know. yes, I know. And and you can I guess you can show me a little bit once every six comics what yeah. he's doing desert and i'm very happy about that but i would like more so just please just give me my ewan mcgregor in the desert movie mm-hmm. it's i don't we're due for I, it i want that more than any star wars movie i i just please give me that but i like that rebels has been building up to to this um i was watching rebels recon earlier today and i think it's the second episode of the this new season that Darth Maul and Ezra sit down. First uh-huh. off, Darth Maul again. He's oh, like, this guy yeah. never will die. Yeah, and and on the one hand, that's completely ridiculous. Dude was cut in half. But on the other hand, I do enjoy him. Yeah, listen, <laughs> and, say, I mentioned the, we have favorite parts of every prequel movie, even if we don't like the whole movie. Darth Maul was favorite part of uh, Phantom Menace. So oh, sure. The fact yeah. that he's, he's, he keeps coming up in my cartoons, I'm like... Man, this guy is not going down. <laughs> um, but they they combine the Sith holocron and the Jedi holocron, and mm-hmm. I guess when you do that, channels are opened somewhat. Stuff happens, yeah. And when Ezra said two sons, I was like, yes. no, yes. no, because then the other part of me goes, they're never going to make it because that wouldn't make sense later. I. Yes, I would agree with that. But you can't you can't have Obi Wan face Maul and have Obi Wan lose because he can't be dead. Right. So I'm wondering if well, Obi Wan's kind of a liar. He just that's true. He just lies. Um, so he could be telling Luke like, "Oh, you're the last Jedi." Wink, wink. Um, he only lies from a certain point of view. Yeah, you're the last Skywalker Jedi. except for the other one except for the other one from a certain point of view um so part of me is thinking that when we have our obi-wan episode it may only be darth maul there Mm -hmm. i'm I'm afraid that kanan and ezra will not make it in time Hmm. yes and i should say i do like the character of kanan and we can talk about i know you probably want to talk about the comic kanan Mm -hmm. and that's cool and i do like Hera, and i do like sabine Mm-hmm. I just don't really like Ezra, and, and Zeb doesn't do anything for me I'm either. I'm not a big Zeb fan. Yeah. But I do like Sabine a lot. And I think me it's too. that Mandalore connection because yeah. that's a Star Wars culture that they really started to dig into with Clone Wars. 
Yes. And, and, and the reason that Anna stopped watching Clone Wars, Anna being my 10-year-old daughter, for listeners who don't know that, um, she basically, once Duchess Satine got killed, she was like, that's it, I'm not watching this anymore. Yeah. You know, Star Wars and... You know, I mean, yes, granted, I raised this child, but I but but she said of her own observation, Star Wars just always kills the female characters. It's true. Well, <laughs> Lyra dies. Mm-hmm. Satine dies. And this is I mean, she knew at that time that that Padme would die, mm-hmm. even though she's never actually watched that happen. She re- has read the novelization of Revenge of the Sith, but she will not watch the movie. I don't blame her. But there, but there are others in in um, in Clone Wars like Mina Bonteri. Do you remember her? Oh, gosh. I know the name Bonteri. It was an episode called something like Heroes on Both Sides, and it was about how Ahsoka kind of gets to see that the Separatists are not so bad, Mm -hmm. and she falls, maybe is interested in the sun a little bit. but Well, but maybe not. Maybe she's asexual, or maybe she's queer. We're not sure. She's just flirty. She's a flirty teenager. (laughs) Uh, Oh, no. Now I can't remember. She named a few others for me, too, but I was like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. That's true. Yes. So, um... Yeah, but Duchess Satine was it for her. Mm-hmm. I don't so blame then her. The, the first time we saw Rebel, she she was like, "Do you think Sabine is related to Satine?" I'm like, "I don't know." Uh, they do rhyme. Yeah, yeah. Could, but it could be a Mandalore thing. Yeah, she's uh, like, maybe she's Obi Wan and Satine's daughter. I'm like, I don't think so. Keep reaching. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's where the good fanfic comes from, though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also showed. I mean, they showed in the the previews before season three started, but they also showed it in this um, trailer, the Black Saber. Yeah. yeah. And Sabine being primed to more or less lead the Mandalorians. Yeah. Which I'm like, yes. Yeah, I look forward to that. And and also that mid-season trailer showed some Thrawn, Mm -hmm. um, who is a great character. And it's, it's great that he is has been brought into the new canon from the old. Um, you know, th- those of you who haven't read any of the old expanded universe novels, we, I think we both absolutely recommend what's called the Thrawn trilogy. Mm-hmm. And the graphic novel version of it is good as well. Yeah. Yep. Uh huh. And it's one volume. It's like the three books mm-hmm. in one graphic novel form. Um, so I think they've done a good job on rebels of showing Thrawn, being sort of smart and cold as ice and a step ahead, at least one step ahead of everybody and how he looks at the art of different cultures to try to get to figure stuff out about them. And uh, I was in the trailer, they showed him like with no shirt on training. And I was like, Oh, I never pictured Thrawn like that. I just thought he was always so buttoned down and proper. But I guess a a true military officer always sticks to his exercise out of habit or, you know, maybe he finds it as a good stimulant for thinking, thinking out problems. So, yeah, I can see it. Yeah. And I don't know what they're doing with the Bendu. I really like Tom Baker's voice, former Doctor Who Tom Baker, but I don't really quite get where that's going. I I think that they're trying to introduce this idea that, and they do this in Rogue One as well, um, the Force isn't exclusive to Jedi and Sith. Uh-huh. And, I mean, Bendu does a great job of being like, why do you need to be on only one side? Like forces everything and if you limit yourself then you you limit yourself you limit your power um and then the guardians of the wills who are also at least somewhat aware of the force and respect the force and Mm -hmm. and things like that so yeah i don't know where they're going to go with him but i certainly do appreciate them introducing that in this format 
Yeah. Yep. Um, so you mentioned the Kanan comic. Uh, did you read any I, of it? I did. Um, I, I read all of it. I know that's your favorite. Oh, man. Uh, when the new Star Wars comics came out, I mean, this one was far and above my favorite. And I didn't expect it to be because Kanan, the character on Rebels, is not interesting to me it's not i mean he doesn't he doesn't annoy me like mm-hmm. ezra but i feel like he's just sort of a standard heroic dude yeah Ooh. Uh, so, so why is the comic your favorite i think it's because it focuses on the clone wars era mm-hmm. which is another one where again that cartoon just like checked off all the boxes for me and yeah so getting, good getting more of that and seeing that vulnerability in this character and how scared he was. And then Depa Balaba showing up often. Um, and she's great troopers. I mean, for this, this was so much action and emotion mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that connection between the Padawan and the master, which in our new Canon, um, we don't have a whole lot of those relationships. Right. And so it's, it's kind of nice seeing that again. And even though, you know, she's, passed on she was gunned down by her troops he still has this great respect for her and trying to be this type of master that she was to him you know she was a little unconventional herself (laughs) (laughs) she she questioned things that the jedi Mm -hmm. council would decide Mm -hmm. and so when he does that she she appreciates that in him when other people don't appreciate it so much Mm -hmm. uh i also liked that it was embedded into the rebels um era as well yes uh going back and forth was good it was but but by comparison i really preferred the flashback parts to the present parts me too me too and i think the let the second half um i I don't know i want to say it was starting with seven right isn't that when it's like four or five in a row that's just totally he's padawan and she's his master. Yeah. Where they're, they're actually like on a mission. Yeah. And um, that second half of the, the series. Um, yeah. One of my favorite things about that is that she's such a great fighter. Yeah. Like he, I mean, Kanan's okay. Or Caleb, Caleb's okay. But Caleb. she, she's just above and beyond um, any other Jedi I've seen. And there's one part where she loses her cloak during a, a battle. And Caleb's like, Caleb is Kanan, you know, back when he had his yes. real name. He's like, Master, you've lost your cloak. And she's like, ah, small sacrifice. <laughs> <laughs> so definitely, um, as far as series goes, one of my favorites. And they did a really neat tie-in with um, mm-hmm. the Rebels yeah. TV show. Yeah, that was good. And um, I had brought this up on the nominations episode for Talking Comics because I did not read enough, or sorry, watch enough good comics tv adaptations yes or, and everybody was like we don't know what you're talking about Mark. Yes, yes but <laughs> you listeners will understand the um fen rao episode that came out for rebels aired the same week that the kanan comic where uh, kanan references that battle came out fen rao being a mandalorian mm-hmm. um who yes sort of uh helps him out unseen in the comic, but then the exact same day, wasn't it? I think the same same day because Rebels used to come out on Wednesday. 
didn't it? Yeah. That's what I thought. And I got so confused when this new season started to come in on Saturday. On Saturdays. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and, and, uh, he may be, it looks like, I don't know. Coming back for more. Yeah, I think so. But, uh, yeah, those clone troopers that get order 66 Mm -hmm. and how they behave after that, you know, one of them basically starts questioning it Mm -hmm. after talking to Kane. And that part is, is pretty cool too. Yeah. So Kanan, uh, the oversized hardcover came out this year, mm-hmm. and I definitely recommend it. Uh, looks great on your shelf next to all your other <laughs> Star Wars books. Um, and the oversized hardcover for Heroes for a New Hope also came out, and that's uh, Leia, Lando, and Chewie. Um, I yeah, my my favorite trade paperback of the year if yours was if yours was Kane and mine was actually Lando and I did not totally did not see that coming for me at all because it was not something I really thought I would care about I just thought it would be fun but it had depth that I was not expecting it broke my heart in a way I wasn't expecting there were there were new characters that were just interesting and cool um and yeah, I mean, it, it, it just seemed like it would be sort of a funny heist and maybe Lando would be romancing someone and it was not that at all. Um, because the thing that they, that they heist uh, turns out to belong to the emperor and things go downhill from there. <laughs> but it gives this depth to Lobot that like, you couldn't have seen that coming. No, no. And it's, it's sad now, especially yeah. I'm looking at the end pages of the, the series and it's just, uh, yeah, slightly heartbreaking. That's tough. But uh, I think it's a good idea to put the Lando and the Leia and the Chewbacca in one. Yeah, it, it makes like a, for a, a good little um, collection. Uh, Leia comics, I enjoyed them. Not too... Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, Lando was really good. Leia had its moments. Uh, most notably being the one where she kind of becomes force sensitive to... Um, yes. And those moments I really appreciated because it kind of made sense where in um, Return of the Jedi where Luke's like, do you remember your mother at all? Yeah. And then she well, starts saying a few things, which at the time they didn't know. what they I were. know. It's hard, to re- it's hard to retcon every sentence that it, comes out of the character's in the first movie. But yeah, that, that this so there, she's on Naboo and the, a painting of Padme seems to turn to look at her. Mm-hmm. She she thinks nobody else sees it that way, yeah. but it, it was a. I liked the premise of it that 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 the people the Alderaan the Alderanians who are left maybe don't feel so loyal to her because maybe she brought this on their planet. Maybe it's kind of all of her fault. <laughs> she feels guilty about mm-hmm. that, and and she never shows those emotions in the movie, and so mm-hmm. that's kind of they call the other main female character. Uh, calls her an ice princess, sort yes. of in the beginning. Um, so it's all about that she and this um, she and this pilot Yvonne, they sort of take off and they're trying to unite the uh, the remaining Alderanians. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do I, I, everything that I read this year. I have digitally, except for this, because I bought it for Anna. So I just I'm just going to read the last couple sentences because it ends with this thought stuff, which is like tear-jerking because she says we are Alderaan we answer rage with wisdom we answer fear with imagination we answer war with hope we are each of us important Alderaan survives it does 
And with each of those little bubbles, it's showing kind of a different picture of the characters that you know and love, plus the new characters. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just really, it, 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 I think it read better collected um, than it did one by one. Yes, yeah, I agree. Um, I did not like the Chewbacca. It did not do much for me. No. It no. just sort of was there. Yeah, I read it. So. Yeah, me too. Okay, <laughs> next. <laughs> that's, that's, I mean, I love Chewbacca as a character, but I just didn't care. I guess the the main thing about it is you find out what happened. You find out that yes, he did receive a medal, mm-hmm. just like Han and Luke, and he gives it to this girl. Yeah. Eh, okay. Okay. All right. Um, what about? Uh, did you read Obi Wan and Anakin? I did, and that was one I had to go back and reread because I did not care for it the first time I read it. I went back and read it, too, because I really didn't remember what happened in it. Yeah. And and, and I didn't really care that much the second time either. The, the thing that I liked about it was that Anakin was a little more sympathetic. Mm-hmm. And there's this nice moment of him wanting to resign from the Order and it being made clear that Obi-Wan would have resigned from the Order, too, in order to keep his promise to Qui-Gon to yes. train Anakin. And so that was... I liked that. Mm-hmm. If this comic had kept those moments where yeah. it was Anakin being trained, Anakin interacting with Palpatine and then Yoda and Obi-Wan would have been great. Oh, and you make a good point there. The Palpatine Anakin scenes are very good too. Yeah. It's just like, man, he's getting his claws in. Yeah. He's yeah. He's down. Um, he's doubting himself. He's doubting everything he's done in life. And here comes, here comes the most powerful politician he's ever met. Yeah. And w- what's interesting is that the, the Lando and Obi-Wan and Anakin and Poe are all written by the same person. Yeah, I'm, I've decided I'm not really a big Charles Soule fan. I thought you liked Poe. I do. I do like Poe, but I think with Charles Soule, it's kind of like Jeff Lemire where it's hit and miss. Mm. And I think I've read more miss for me personally with Charles Soule than hits. Mm. Did you read his She-Hulk? I did. I did. And I think that was one of the hits. Okay. Yeah, I liked that. And then um, did not like, uh, did he also do Chewbacca? Who did Chewbacca? Jerry Dugan. Dugan, okay. And, and Phil Noto, and, right? Yeah, Phil Noto. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of Obi-Wan and Anakin. And mostly it was because it spent too much time on the story of the opened and the closed. and Which I didn't care about, and, and he didn't get me to care, unfortunately. No. No, it's like, let's move on. Let's go back to a Coruscant. Let's see. Yeah, I mean, it's just this, these two sides on this planet, and, and we, we just don't care. Mm-mm. I can't even tell you what the planet is called or the characters because I just, even reading it again, I'm like, I'm not going to commit this to memory. Um, okay, then moving on. Yeah, so Obi-Wan and Anakin, when it ended, it made room for Han Solo. Yes. And this one is by Marjorie Liu and Mark yes. Brooks. Which, Loved it. Yeah, it was so good. And is this is this the first in canon Star Wars comic by a woman? Uh, that seems like something I should know. I I feel I can't remember who did Leia. Was it Rucka? Oh it, well, wait, wait. And are the old Marvel comics canon? I don't know if they've counted them or not. Yeah, I don't think they are. But but they did have. The old Marvel comics that came out that started in 1977 mm-hmm. and ran a hundred and oh no, oh. 
this is way too many. <laughs> for, for those of you who would like to know, there's a chapter in my book, which is called Super Women, Gender, Power, and Representation, about Star Wars. And the answer to the question that I'm about to screw up the answer to is in my book. Okay. But um, I think it was 106 or something like that. Okay. But the last maybe 20 of them were written, written by a woman. Mm -hmm. And most of those 20 were also drawn and colored and edited by women. Okay. So this is but not the first woman that, working on a Star Wars comic, but in the new since since yeah. Marvel has picked it up again. Yeah. And she knocked it out of the park. Totally. Totally. And and the art does too. I, I really liked um how especially in space there were things like the closer things were in focus and the further away things were out of focus. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there that has a name, but I, yeah. I'm not very good with art terms, so I don't know. No, I know what you mean, though. It, and Mark Brooks has always been, in my opinion, one of the best comic artists. Mm -hmm. And I've seen a lot of his work on covers. Um, but his interior work is just, it's stunning. Yeah. Um, it and I guess I should say something. The Obi-Wan Anakin series, Marco Cicchetto. Yes, it is very nice looking. It, it is really very pretty. Is. Yes. I, I just was not into the characters. And and so was the Lando trade, mm -hmm. which was Alex Maleev. Mm -hmm. But this this one, I think, was just the perfect combo. Oh, and Pepe Larraz. Oh, yes. <laughs> Pepe Larraz Pepe. and Greg Weissman. Yes. Um, but Han um, Solo was not about the Kessel Run. No. Uh, which I guess we're saving that one for later. We'll get there. Yeah, yes. Uh, it was the Dragon Void. Yes. So. But it's a similar premise in that it's a race. Mm -hmm. Um. And, but there's also some other intrigue, and there's some uh, wanting to do some rebel stuff, being tasked to do some rebel stuff along the way. Mm -hmm. So you get these, you get these interesting kind of new characters. You get some Han and Leia stuff, and Han and Chewie stuff, and there's a little tiny hand touch at the I very. Know. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh man! And they do the same thing in the main Star Wars series, where every once in a while it's like. Oh, you guys are into each other. Neither one of you will admit it, but you're totally into each other. When you're not too big. Oh, well, Sana basically says that. Yeah, yeah. You guys are an old married couple. But hold, hold that thought. We'll get to that yeah. in a minute. Um, but yeah, I think I really, and I, I, I liked it all along, and I really liked the heartwarming ending mm -hmm. with the older uh, lady pilot. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, Ano Something, something Ano, some, Lou, yeah. something. It's R E. I don't know if it's Re or Ray. Yeah. Oh, well, maybe I don't know. Um, but being the last of her kind. And yeah. Really appreciating the art of the race, the art of piloting, and yes, you know, this isn't necessarily a competition; it's a lifestyle. Yes. And of course, Han Solo is impatient and credit-minded, and you know, goal-oriented. So it's it was difficult for him to see it from her same point of view. But I think he actually learned something. But he does, right? Because he realizes the Millennium Falcon is his home, mm -hmm. and his home is very important to him. Yes, and her home is important to her. And I'm being a little cryptic because it's good ending, yeah. so I don't want to say much more. Yeah, um, but I think this this one was um, well. Actually, we didn't really have many miniseries that came out this year. Besides Obi Wan and Anakin. Right? Is uh, Doctor Afra is ongoing? I believe they're making it an ongoing. Okay. Which will be interesting. I don't know how far. Well, you know, I think she's an interesting character. I think they'll go far with her. 
I do too. Um, and and Kieran Gillen is obviously a great writer. He was he totally killed it on the Vader comic. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Vader ended this year. Um, yeah. We started off with uh, the Vader down. Yeah. Wrapping up, which was crazy. So I had gone back and and reread um, a couple of those Vader down ones, and there's that moment where. Leia is preparing to shoot him while yes. he's fighting um, the Mon Calamari General Grievous character. <laughs> that's what. That's so funny because in my note I have written Grievousy Mon Cal. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> and as she's taking aim, she's having flashbacks of Alderaan. Yeah, but not you know Alderaan as a her home, Alderaan exploding. Yeah, and then kind of uh, premonitions of Han and Luke laying on the floor. And it was like, okay, so what what exactly is going through her head? I mean, if if I was having flashbacks of my planet exploding and one of the men responsible for it is standing in front of me, I don't know if I would just leave. I, I wasn't sure either. I wasn't sure if we were supposed to take it as she's willing to die along with her planet. To, to face him down? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Well, she know. seems apprehensive after she has the premonition or the um, the flashback. So I'm wondering if it's yeah. like, you know, what are my chances of actually killing him? Yeah. And I, I feel like that's that might be closer to what she's thinking of. And then maybe um, if I do this and I fail, I lose another home. I lose my other family. I mean, I'm trying to piece this together of, of Salvador LaRocca's like textless mm-hmm. art here. Yeah. I mean, I don't have it in front of me, but I know the part you're talking about. And it's in the, it's in the star Wars comic too, because mm-hmm. the Vader down crossed the two of them. Yeah. Which is a perfect so, crossover. Yeah. So they're fa- they're facing each other across two artists. <laughs> um, and also the other, the part about Vader down where Han is sort of fighting against Afra and Chewie. <laughs> Zero is one of the funniest things. I just I just loved that. Yeah, and you know the greatest thing I think to come out of the Darth Vader series is Doctor Afra and her murder droids. And I know a lot of people don't like Triple Zero or BT. Um, I do. I do not love them. I like them, but they get. I to me, they get a bit old. Oh man, I I played Knights of the Old Republic when I was a kid, and HK forty seven. Okay was an assassin droid who was <laughs> independent and he had the same snark and he called you, um, what do you call it? Like meat bags or something like that. That sounds right. Yes. Yep. And, you know, I, I, I get those flashbacks of, you know, teenage Mara sitting in a dark room and her hunched <laughs> over a video game chair, just trying to make a, Oh, what's his name? Uh, Oh, Nassie. Carthon Nassie fall in love with me. It was just not working. Oh um, boy. But yeah, that's I. I like the murder droids. Um, no, a lot of people like them. I, let me. I guess people are divided. I should say that's, that's it's what it is. Like people and love or hate them. Yeah, I think I'm team murder droids. I think I'm okay with that. And you know, I think it's because Star Wars has small doses, small yeah. doses for yeah. me. But there's such a huge range of where you can go with these Star Wars comics. Oh yeah, that yeah, they do have a place. They can they can exist. Um, and I like black chrysanthemum. Yeah, I don't know how to, how to say that. I don't know. I always say chrysanthemum in my head, and yeah. I know that's not right. I always say Karsten. <laughs> yeah, that's that is what it looks like. So that sounds about right. But uh, it, as as Vader goes after Vader down, 
which was great because I, like we were saying before, you know, badass, scary Vader is the best Vader. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't love that arc about the shoe Torin war. Mm. It was okay. Yeah. It, it again goes back to characters that I'm just not familiar with enough and systems I'm not involved with. And it's just like, you know, I get it. I understand that the empire is oppressive and you do what we tell you or we replaced you. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if it needed a whole arc. Yeah. I, I guess that's pretty much how I felt about it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but the one after that where it's really him and silo mm-hmm. um, and silo has the remote control to the suit. <laughs> what? That's like, Whoa. All right. <laughs> yeah. It's one that's like, okay. I mean, if the metal suit, mechanical suit exists, there has to be control for it. And why not let yes. him have it? But then, <laughs> but then, so that follows with flashbacks to Mustafar and some Padme. Mm-hmm. And then would you say just by sheer force of will plus the force, he just gets up? Yeah. Like, yeah, you turned my suit off, but you know what? I'm going to turn back on. Yeah, <laughs> goodbye. Yeah, nothing yeah. is impossible with the Force. Yeah. And I, I did like that whole, I don't know what was going through his head, some sort of metaphor thing where he kills himself. He kills Anakin. He kills Anakin, yeah. And kills Padme? I mean, it seems like he does. It's not clear. I, yeah. Because he he kills it's like it's like Anakin is in Obi Wan's place, mm-hmm. so it's Vader killing Anakin and Padme. So it's not Anakin killing Padme. I don't know. I I mean I get it. It, it makes sense to me, and it's odd that that's where he draws his power from, mm, or how he yeah tapped that's into a good point. Yeah, he got back to that anger that it had to be anger. He had to draw on the dark side in order to that feeling order- of. Betrayal, yeah. So and that because was, it's, because that's what makes him powerful, yeah. right? Yeah. So it's yeah. a good ending, and you know, twenty five issues, and I think Salvador Larocca did art on all of them. I think uh, I didn't make note of that, but certainly most of them, if not all of them. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, hot hot tip: it's going to be a legendary run this year. Excellent. Awesome. Uh, and then spawning out from. Darth Vader is the new Star Wars book, Dr. Aphra. Um, yes. Karen Gillan and who did the art on this one? Um, somebody Kev Walker. Yeah, Kev Walker. Kev Walker. Uh, so this just features our favorite archaeologist. Yeah, it's funny. I read, um, I, I sent it to you that there, there was this interview with Karen Gillan yesterday or the day before where he was sort of saying kind of like people were expecting Afra to be like Indiana Jones, but she's really not. She's no. Bella. <laughs> for, for those of you who have, I assume, seen all the Indiana Jones movies. Yeah. And so once with that analogy, it's like, yeah, that is what she is. We, we kind of, there's a little part of us that wants her to wind up with a heart of gold, but then there's no. a little part of us that's like, no, just be, just be evil. Just that's cool. Shoot people in the back. We're, we're exactly. Cool. Just be out for yourself and let's find out what's going on with your father. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Ordu Aspectu. Mm, yes. 
Um, we're two issues in this series already. And yeah. what I think is hilarious is that this idea that she um, faked her doctorate. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's totally in character for her. Because I don't, she's not totally. going to sit there and study. Of course not. And that the father calls her boop. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just like the non bad assist nickname ever. <laughs> yeah. So uh, two issues in. I think it's great. Um, you know, just a bad female uh, Star Wars villain um, who also appeared yeah. in the main Star Wars series. She was a... Uh, yes, Rebel Jarrell. Rebel Jarrell, yeah. Uh, so after um, Vader down, they capture Aphra, they take her to Sunspot Prison, and uh, what's his name? Uh, he was from Annual Number 1. Oh. Eben? Uh, Eb? Mm. Ineb. Ineb. Uh, basically infiltrates the prison, lets all the prisoners loose, and it's like, you gotta kill him. You gotta get out there and kill him. And of course, well, Sana, yeah. Sana is there, and she's like, all right. Let's start. Okie doke. Yeah, let's start with Afra. Um, <laughs> but of course, Leia, you know, cooler heads prevail, and she's like, "No, that's not how we do things. Um, let's team up." So we have our three main comic heroines, uh, basically taking over this jail. Yeah. While the boys herd nerfs. Oh, so good. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Um, I think that that arc was a great blend of um consequences so ineb and Mm -hmm. the fact that you know war scars people um the action with the the ladies in the prison and then the humor of han (laughs) gambling away the the rebellion's funds and then having to Which is why Luke has to make a deal that they will herd nerfs on the Millennium Falcon, making them nerf herders. And as soon and when the women get on at the end, one of them, I don't remember who, probably Sana, is like, it smells like nerfs in here. <laughs> um, and then it seems like, right, so it's a, the consequences part is great. Mm-hmm. That it shows us how different these three women are is great. Mm-hmm. That they look different from one another is also great. And that Sana and Aphra seem to have a bit of a history. Mm-hmm. There's a some somebody cheated on someone or left someone or sounds that way. Something happened where one of them felt that the other one was not truthful. Yeah, in a romantic way. It does imply a romantic way, mm-hmm. and Leia tries to ask and and nobody answers. <laughs> so we don't know. Yeah, but Doctor Afra has her own comic now. Yes, and maybe the two will cross paths again. And hopefully, Sana will stick around longer mm-hmm. i mean she stuck around in the following arc the harbinger where they our rebels uh try to take over a, was it a star destroyer or was it a super uh i think it's just a regular star destroyer yeah and that one of those had to me one of the funniest sequences which is the han and leia are arguing over who should be the captain yes <laughs> and so do you remember which one of them says whoever gets there first? Oh, I think it might be Leia. So they're racing to the bridge and they're and Leia starts basically by fighting dirty right off the bat. She yeah. kicks them or something. Well, she can't and lose. She can't lose to Han. Of course not. And so there are just these various hilarious ways that they are trying to get to the bridge. Yeah. Sorry, I'm opening my comic right now because uh, I have them in bags. Oh, uh, okay. And 23, I think, was my favorite 
issue. I think that is the one with the race, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The cover is... I love that cover. Yeah, and it's a... Mike Diodato, who I say many things about in the Wonder Woman chapter of my book for his... 1994 depiction of Wonder Woman in a thong. Yeah. Um, but this shows that people can grow as artists. He knocks it out of the park yeah. here. Yeah. Just as one could argue he knocked it out of the park with Wonder Woman because that sold a zillion copies. People liked it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but his style here is very different. And that cover is great. Mm-hmm. And I just I just love this idea that um, Luke and Leia were both like, hey, let's, let's steal a Star Destroyer. Yeah. And the Rebellion's like, um... No, that's, that's that sounds <laughs> but if stupid. Can do it, you two probably can. All right, that's good luck. <laughs> what do you think about the Scar Troopers? I think that's awesome. Yeah, uh, I mean, because it can't be that the, that every stormtrooper is just lousy. Yeah, and you know they kind of evolved from the clone troopers in the first place, right? Because we're assuming there are no more clones, and that they're are we assuming they're recruits by this point? There has to be. Or they're pressed into service or something. Something, something like that. Um, but you would think that they would have the same training methods that they had for the clones. Um, but obviously, yeah. the stormtroopers kind of suck at their jobs. They do. They're terrible shots. Yeah. But some of them have to have a aptitude for it. I mean, law of averages, if you have a lot of terrible right, right. people, you have some really good ones. And the fact that they all are differentiated in what they can do and together make this this incredible team that, you know, can retake a Star Destroyer if they have to, Mm -hmm. or, you know, go into those special missions. I think that's great addition to the Star Wars universe. Yeah, I agree. Uh, And I I also liked the couple of the in-between arc issues mm -hmm. that feature Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yes. Yes. And looking out for Luke and and Owen um, and black Kirsten. (laughs) Right. Um, and just that, you know, Obi-Wan wants to help. He wants to be useful, but he can't show yep. the force. And that's how he's been useful his whole life. Right. Um, in, in doing that. Uh, we have uh, one, more, one more comic to cover, I believe, and that is uh, Poe Dameron. It is Poe Dameron. I just wanted to say one, one oh, other thing. For for anybody who's not reading the, the Star Wars comic yet, now is a good time to jump on because a new arc just started and it seems to be featuring Yoda. Oh, yes, yes. Um, Yoda and some younglings. Which And some younglings. Which is pretty cool. We're, we're assuming, yeah. Oh, But Poe, yes. yes Poe, uh, which when it first came out, I thought was a miniseries. So three issues in, I'm like, oh my gosh, they're spending way too much time doing this one thing. Let's move on. And then realizing it's an ongoing, I'm like, oh, that makes more sense. But I, I totally agree that the first three issues, I was like, I don't know about this. I mean, I, I like, usually I like Charles Soule. I definitely like Phil Noto art, mm-hmm. but it just seemed sort of slow. But then it kicked up a bit. Yes. Um, more th- oh, was it Graca? Graca's the Hut? the Hut, yes. Uh, Who doesn't like huts? Huts yeah. are great. Which is from the main Star Wars series um, from 2015. Yeah. He was he was somewhere in there. So I, I like this idea that they're, you know, following all these trails and trying mm-hmm. to get the information. I don't know how long they can keep that storyline up. Yeah. Because obviously that has to end. Because they do yeah. find Lor Senteca. Right, because the end game is The Force Awakens. So mm-hmm. how long can you drag that out? But that, but the, the introduction of um, Agent Terex, mm-hmm. 
he seems sort of like you know like a like a good and I was going to say antihero that's not the right word the good antagonist yes. in that he's sort of a step ahead of our heroes mm-hmm. and he flies the um, carry on spike Tarkin ship yeah which yes. I was like that is, that is very uh, presumptuous of you <laughs> totally I completely agree <laughs> the ship it's like when you retire a sports number you know yeah. no should be in that ship <laughs> yeah I'm like you think you're you're hot stuff right now yeah. Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the series is still is still fun. Um, I'm always a sucker for the X-Wing stuff and the pilots and things like that. And I'm, I keep oh, trying to get yeah. into the X-Wing novels that you mentioned. In fact, I have one unloaded on my phone, um, the Wraith Squadron one. I'm six chapters in so far. So I'm... Yeah. The, I, when I... The first Wraith Squadron one introduces a lot of new characters. And it's kind of hard to... I, I remember. Mm-hmm. It's hard to get through the first few chapters because you're like who are these people and what planet are they from and whatever and then once you get used to them you get pretty attached to them but yeah the the poe comic is like that x-wing series and i think Uh, that's um this was a good um thing to read before going into rogue one uh because you know it distance you from jedi and distance you from the skywalkers and puts you right into Mm -hmm. the soldier's perspective or the um resistance perspective which is about the overall goal instead of just you know oh my father sucks i have to go kill him now um which movie was that uh, all of that one (laughs) (laughs) uh oh and actually i forgot one comic um c3po yeah which first off the cover is the best glamour shot i've ever seen just so great. <laughs> so we we learn why C-3PO has his red arm. Mm-hmm. It was a... Uh, and this is a weird comic. Um, James Robinson and uh, Tony Harris? Tony Harris? Um, I don't have it written down. Sorry. Yeah, it's the Starman team. And, oh. oh. Yeah, which is which is interesting. And this, this comic was just a one-shot. And, mm-hmm. you know, all these droids are stranded and they have to get to a point, And I can't remember why, but for the resistance to come pick them up. And along the way, they are picked off by the native um, species. And one of the droids is an, um, a First Order droid, one that's mm-hmm. been kind of um, confiscated, more or less. And this ongoing discussion of, are we programmed to be evil? Or, and does that make us naturally evil? I was like, this comic is a, uh, yeah, interesting. This is a crazy amount of stuff to pack into one issue, but it works. I agree, and also there were uh, where three PO is kind of having sort of little flashes of the parts of his memory that's mm. been wiped. Mm-hmm. So that sort of complicates the central question, which is, are we more than our current programming? Yeah. So I mean, this is one that when we were talking about best issues of the year best single issue i was like y'all see 3po and they're like who who what <laughs> i know i you, tried i know i know i mean there were other good single issues I, I i will admit right here i voted for wonder woman number four. Oh yes yeah because that's, good one. that's you know that it was but but this this 3po one shot absolutely deserves attention mm-hmm. um i think i just got to the end of my stack here well i yeah i think that's about right yeah um 2017 we've got a lot of good rebels content to look forward to 
more yes. Star Wars comics. Uh, episode eight. A Thrawn yes. book. Yes. By Timothy Zahn. Yeah. Um, which I think comes out in April. Uh, I think mm, April. I remember it being spring. Yeah. Some, sometime during the spring. So. And another Greg Rucka book, I think. Oh, which one? Mm, I think it's Rogue One related. Oh, yes. Can I look it up quickly? Yeah. Uh, we also have the third book in the Aftermath trilogy coming out, yes. Empire's End. When does that come out? Oh, probably, I don't know. I'm I'm just saying I, I would imagine it be fall, but I don't know. I would think so. I don't know. Uh, and I haven't heard anything else besides those, unless I'm just missing something glaringly obvious. I hope that we get another female lead book, like Bloodline or Ahsoka. Um, yes, but I don't think anything else has been announced, has it? I don't think so. I don't. Um, not finding this Rucka thing. Oh, Sorry. Darth Maul. Darth Maul has a comic oh, coming yeah. out. Cullen Bunn. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which will be interesting. Uh, Cullen Bunn. I really like his Harrow County stuff. So hopefully, hopefully Darth Maul's in the same vein. Well, I mean, Darth Maul, again, I mean, dude should not be alive. But since he is. <laughs> Let's use him. <laughs> Let's use him. I mean, he just, it, it, like the way we all felt in 1999 when we saw the previews, like if two hours of this guy, I'll take it. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, it was two minutes of him, unfortunately, but just so cool and so uh, scary looking and the double bladed lightsaber. And, um, and, and certainly he has been filled out in mm-hmm. the animated universe. Yes, much and more. We'll just see. Yeah, so I would, I would like to see more of that yeah. in the comic. Yeah. All right. So, Carolyn, thank you for doing this with me. It was great to reflect on the year in Star Wars, and now I'm like, I think I need to go back and read some more stuff. I know. I'm thinking that too. Like, oh yeah, I should go read that again. No, uh, thank you for having me. I'm glad we could do it. It was nice to sort of try to wrap it all up in one place to reflect on it. Yeah. So, um, and listeners, thank you for, for joining us for this special issue. Uh, if you have any comments about Star Wars in general, you can email them to podcast at talkingcomicbooks.com. And I will forward those to Carolyn as well. Um, Carolyn, what's a, what's a good place for people to reach you directly? My email is best. It's my last name and first initial. So it's coca c at oldwestbury.edu. Mm-hmm. And that's a good place to reach you. Also, if you've read Superwomen and you have comments or questions about um the female skywalker line (laughs) or extended universe and things like that true true right so there is there is a a star wars chapter that covers um movies and cartoons and novels and comics uh you know 1977 to a few months ago (laughs) uh and you can reach me on twitter at megamaramon all right so thank you for listening and may the force be with you Bye.